Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by BeFit Food, where food is the first medicine. Today on the show. I was cooking spaghetti bolognese at seven o'clock in the morning to make sure that he could take some lunch. It's Karen Ledbury. You've seen her on The Morning Show, Sydney Weekender, The Daily Edition. She's a mum of three boys and ambassador to Variety, the children's charity Fight on the Beaches and Save Our Sons. And she joins us here today on the Eat Yourself Better podcast. Kate and I caught up with Karen and here's how it went. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Kate. Great to be here. Hi. It's great to have you on the show. Now, look, on Eat Yourself Better, we talk all sorts of things to do with health and wellness. Uh, and we love to get we love to get people's routines and what they do and what they eat throughout the day. And look, you're in television and live television is part of what you do. And we just love to hear about you and what your routine is when you're under the stress and the pressure of live TV. How do you start your morning? Well, it varies every single day. I'm fortunate enough to work in an industry that is always changing, always growing. So I might be out in the road, on the road. I might be overseas. I might be hanging at home with the kids. I might be, um, you know, I could be anywhere. So my routine from day to day changes, but I always make sure wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, get up, start the day with a good brekkie. Um, if I'm home, it's getting the kids' lunches packed, off to school, and then starting the day, exercising most days that I can, provided that I'm at home, some form of exercise. It might be walking or running or doing a little bit of weights. Um, F45, I'm a massive fan of F45, and I am missing it dearly <laughs> since we've been in isolation. Um, and then just getting on with, uh, it might be scripts that I need to to work on. It might be uh, classes that I need to teach or presenting. So, yeah, I, just try, I always try to start the day the best that I can. And then from there, it's uh, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. I might be in the studio filming for a full day or I might be in with Larry and Kylie doing a live segment. So, um, And I could be in my pyjamas at home for the whole day. So every day is completely different. So routine kind of goes out the window and you <laughs> tend to just try to get things done as best you can. So priorities are exercising, eating well, and um, you know making sure I keep on top of things, which as a mum is really hard to do. Mm -hmm. How old are your three boys again, Karen? So my eldest, Josh, is 21. It's crazy. The years have just flown by. (laughs) Um, And then Jordan, my middle one, he's just about to turn 18. So he's my swimmer. He's active, which means we start the day at about 4.30, quarter to five in the morning of swimming. Um, And then my youngest one is just 14. So they're all... Um, different ages. I've got a huge age gap between, obviously, the eldest and youngest. There's eight years between them. So we're at different and stages in their lives. <laughs> it is a map. At the moment, I cannot even tell you because they're all eating at home and tuck shops at schools still aren't back on board, even though the schools are back. Right. The tuck shops aren't back on board. So I'm packing hot lunches and for, for oh. an almost 18-year-old swimmer, I have not, I, co- I was cooking spaghetti bolognese at 7 o'clock in the morning to make sure that he can take some lunch. So... They are eating a lot. <laughs> but I love Kevin's for pasta. <laughs> I know, right? I absolutely love it. I just, I love being able to feed them up. I'm an overfeeder. I'm a country girl. My <laughs> mum was an overfeeder, so nobody goes hungry in my house. Let me just say that. Well, that's good. So you're up at 4.30 in the morning. Yes. You're a swimming. So what's the routine like at that hour? Well, it just depends on what he's doing and how long he swims for. But I sometimes get up and if he's only doing, at the moment, they're on shorter sessions because of COVID and obviously Mm -hmm. safety regulations in the pool. So the sessions are about 45 minutes. So 
I've got to admit, some days I'm a little bit lazier than others. Like this morning I packed my pillow and I had a sleep in the back seat of the car and swimming. Well, I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest. Uh, but other days I'll pack my sand shoes and, and I'll go for a run while he's swimming, get my exercise done, and then it's done for the day. So whatever happens, it happens. So, um, yeah, sometimes I just sit and wait for him and uh, – and sometimes I get off and do my exercise. But when he gets back into normal routine, they swim for two and a half hours. So wow. I can sort of drop and then come back home and get my routine done. That's packing lunches, getting school books, getting uniforms ready, um, taking the computers off charge and getting them ready for the day and then go back and pick him up and then get breakfast to start the day. So as I said, I just don't, I kind of don't have a routine and I think that's what keeps you on the to- on your toes. It's, it is hard as a mum when you don't have a full routine every single day. Not every two days are, do, uh, you know, are the same. So you've just got to be organised and I think that's one thing that mums really shine at. and dads who are doing that routine day to day. you just got to become really good at being organised and um also keeping fit and healthy yourself so that you've got the energy to do that. I mean, going from 4.30 in the morning till sometimes 10 o'clock at night is um, is a big ask, so you've got to make sure you've got your fuel. Mm-hmm. What are you taking with you when you go at 4.30 in the morning? Are you a cup of tea or coffee or are you having something to eat or what does your body feel like when it's up that early? I used to be a huge breakfast eater, so I wouldn't be able to function for any longer than about half an hour being awake without food, but I've slowly changed that habit. I do love a cup of tea in the morning, but at that time of the day, I I don't do anything. He will have a protein shake. He also takes um, like uh, liquid carbs to help him fuel up before he starts to swim because Mm. obviously when they're swimming that hard, they don't want food on board. It can Mm. tend to make them feel sick. So he takes uh, some carbs to help him get going and uh, protein shakes and I tend to find that at that time of the morning, it's just a little bit too early to get my body working and to get my body uh, processing food. So I kind of just leave it go until a little bit later on. And then I'm really hungry. My body's ready to fuel. And I love a big breakfast this morning. It was an omelet with fresh mushrooms, spinach, bacon. I was cooking spaghetti. So I went the whole hog and and (laughs) did the brekkie. (laughs) Well, it's great that you're you're a busy mum and and you're busy with work. And and like you mentioned, there's a lack Mm. of routine because... Your work's all over the place as well, and you could be here and could be there, but it's great yeah. that you, you take time to look after yourself and you and you spend that time because that's the, something that people forget. And particularly, mums even look at my wife. We've got three boys, and it's crazy, 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 and then she falls in a heap at the end of the day because it's just the day's got away from her and she hasn't yeah. looked after herself. How do you um how do you do that? What's, what about um what about the the mindfulness kind of thing or like you know you lead a crazy life? How do you, yeah. how do you stay calm under the pressure of live TV and, and running around like crazy? And you're eating years down the track from Jesus. Yes, that's right. He's willing to personal tears here. I think I learned really early on when you are a young parent, meaning a parent with young children, you tend to operate in two gears, and that's first or sixth gear. So you're in sixth gear, you are running here, there, and everywhere. You're chasing, you're entertaining, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're just as you finish cleaning, you've got another mess to clean up. And that's always operating in sixth gear. And that can only happen for a short period of time. And then a lot of people experience burnout. And it's that I can't keep awake in the morning while I'm eating my toast. Mm. I'm struggling to have energy for the kids. And so I worked out earlier on that that was where I was at. It was either first or sixth gear. And I soon developed some kind of, you know, that mess can wait and I'll just clean three messes at the one time. And I think you've got to find that middle ground, that third gear. You've got to find that it's okay to leave a mess. I don't have to have everything perfect because this is a priority. And just... So, and, and staying organised, you know, I would find that one cupboard a week or one room a week to totally clear out so you're organised and you've got everything at your fingertips and just not not trying to overwhelm yourself 
with having to do it all and and have it all. I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker. I, I used to, when I was younger, have, have a coffee here and there, but I found that it would throw me straight into sixth gear. In television, we use a lot of adrenaline. Mm. It's the nervousness of live television. Our adrenal glands are going. And as a mum, your adrenal glands are always in overload because it's that busyness of keeping up happy for the kids entertaining for the kids as well as feeling like you've got to juggle all of these balls and still look great, feel great, be great. And and that's just not realistic sometimes. So I think it's finding that middle gear and finding a nice balance between looking after yourself, looking after the family, looking after the house and trying not to trying not to get into sixth gear so you don't slide back to first. I still have a lot of first gears. There are some Saturdays where I might have worked every single day and mm. you know we've got year 12 at the moment. So there might have yeah. there might be a huge mental overload not so much physical as your kids get older it changes from the physical exhaustion to the mental exhaustion where you they might be going through their own anxieties with study or girlfriends or um, life in general there's a there's a huge amount of stress on teenagers at the moment with what's going on in the world and and um and and as a parent you you do take that on board because when they're little you you chase after them and worry about them falling over and hurting themselves it's no different when they become teenagers they just can hurt themselves on a very different level and the mental and emotional support that I give the kids is my priority so every else fails um, along the wayside if, if that that's got to me be met first so um, you know there's a lot going on so I, I just make sure that I'm not having too much artificial stimulants so no caffeine for example to really put me into that high zone mm. and just trying to keep a little bit more balanced um, throughout the day I think gives me more sustained I've always been told I have an enormous amount of energy and I can get up in the morning and go and I can go right through to whenever I need to but I always keep in mind that um, you know, Saturday I'll rest or mm-hmm. Tuesday I can take a day off the housework or, you know, I always sort of look for those days. When am I going to get my break and how do I even out the workload throughout the week? So I try to look at my week in advance and try to just pick something to do each day when I've got time to do it. And Karen, you mentioned with the three boys, you're always there physically and emotionally supporting them. But do you think mm. there is an age where that emotional support is really, really important? I guess, you know, it's always there. But I guess, you know, raising three boys, is there an age that you found they really need that intense support? Because there's a lot of young parents probably listening mm. to this too and thinking the hardest years were when the kids were, you know, between zero to five and coming out yeah. of years and learning to ride a bike. But obviously yeah. those teenage years are pretty tricky too. Yeah, look, I think emotional support, I've certainly seen it going from sort of newborn to 21. That's where I'm at. I've got everything in between. And I think a huge amount of emotional support is required sort of around the ages of four, five and six when they are mm-hmm. navigating. They're not they're not babies anymore. They're navigating school life. They're navigating the, the newness of peers, which we take for granted, but for a five-year-old going from having maybe four or five friends if they're a home uh, care child or even in daycare, maybe having nine or ten kids in their class. And often at daycare, they're segregated. So you've got, you know, your different classes, but they're very much segregated. To going to a potentially big school with with, with hundreds of children and navigating where they sit in society, that's a huge Mm -hmm. emotional pressure that I think little ones go through that I think sometimes we forget. It's, you know, it's a big thing for parents at school. But, you know, you've got to think that they're so little and they're going into this big environment and all of a sudden they have new parents in the forms of teachers Mm -hmm. that are now telling them things that may cause contradict or or enhance what the parents have taught them and they're navigating but mum mum and dad do this and we do this different here so there's a lot of navigation I think emotional support at that age is really important then again obviously at at between which is um, Mm -hmm. between a teenager and um, you know the younger kids when they are starting to see their body change 
they are starting to get, in particular boys, an influx of testosterone and, and they're navigating how to do that. And they're also no longer a toddler or, or, or young kid and they're not quite a teenager. So they're too young to do things they want to do and they're too old to do things that they probably should be doing. So um, that is a very, very difficult age and I was mm. very cautious with the boys to, to navigate through that because um, they do feel, like, I want to be an adult and they want to be an adult. Now it seems more than ever that they want to be an adult younger and younger and they want things that potentially they can't have. So it's it's validating how they're feeling yet at the same time not giving into the pressure of feeling like, you have to give them that in order to be liked. Or I think that there's a there's a huge pressure on parents to want to be liked. But I think finding that balance of um, being able to validate what they're feeling, letting them know that that's okay to feel like that, but letting them also understand why there are certain things that they can't do at that age. And then obviously, again, once they get their license and they're navigating the whole, I can go. It, mm. it, it's a, it's actually a really big deal. I can go yeah. anywhere. I can do anything. I've got a car. I can drive to anywhere. I can get on a plane. I can, you know, buy whatever I want to buy. I can mm. do whatever I want to do. Is another huge uh, pressure that they're put under, and also that pressure of having to decide. A lot of schools put the pressure on. You need to decide this year what you're going to be for the rest of your life. And I think that all happens at 18. They need to find their career. They're finding themselves. They've got their freedom. I mean, it is a huge door that opens and sometimes there's a hurricane on the other side of it. So just mm. being there emotionally to to help them to understand that it's okay if you don't want to decide right now what you want to be and it's okay not to have to have this or go here or do this. So, um, you know, there's those three times in certainly in what I've experienced um, have been the three times where I think you really have to be present and you have to be there. And I've always had the philosophy that, whether it's two in the morning, whether whether it's, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, you call me anytime, anywhere, and if I need to come get you or if you just want to ring and talk, if the kids are out, I know my oldest son, he'd be out and when he first started experiencing going out, he'd ring me at one o'clock in the morning and just say, this is where I am, this is what I'm doing, how are you? And I'm like, you know, I'd been sound asleep for hours, but I'm like, yes, I'm great, I'm just having a cup of tea and I'm wide awake and, <laughs> you know, I think I think making them always feel that wherever they are and whatever they're doing that they can count on their parents is a really big deal um, mm -hmm. in allowing them to become open with you. And peer pressure as well, do you find that that's played a bit of a role at different ages in the kids' lives? Um, I haven't found that with my kids and I've been asked that question a lot about a lot of parents because some of my friends have experienced peer pressure. The only thing I can put it down to is I've always, whatever the kids have done, I've always made them feel very confident in their decision making. I've always helped them rationalise their decisions and I've always kind of um, made them feel great about who they are and where they're going and what they're doing. So I kind of feel like my kids are never looking to other kids to make them feel better. They, they feel that within themselves. And I, I just think with, with peer pressure, I think sometimes kids naturally or or because of circumstances feel that they need to fall into that peer pressure because they're looking to be cool or they're looking to be validated or they're looking mm -hmm. for something that they haven't got. And so, again, that's something that I'm very conscious of, that I'm always making sure I'm in touch with the boys and what do you need, what do you want, what am I doing, what do you think I'm doing wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's something that a lot of parents don't ask their kids what do you think I'm doing wrong? Even if you think you're doing Ooh. it right, it's nice to, it, it's, yeah, and that is a tough one. And even for a response, 
it's confronting because every parent wants to think that they're amazing and and you know what sometimes we're just not and that's because (laughs) we might be tired or we might not be available or we might not have the tools that we need and I think it's really good to not that you always follow through on it but it's always nice to hear from a kid's perspective it's no different to a CEO of a business saying to his employees what are you unhappy with or or having a suggestion box why is it different in a family you know shouldn't every member of the family have the right to say I don't think you're running the household the way that I think, you know, I think mm. you've got to take it on board and, and hear what they're saying and potentially look at that as a whole and and just and also just gives you a good gauge of how they're feeling, where they're sitting, what they're doing. Yeah, mm. you should write a book. Mm. <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> I wouldn't yeah. know where to start, but you know, I just I always just I've always been um, good Proactive. at taking my own shoes off before I put myself into somebody else's shoes, and I do try to realise that I had a very different life to my children, mm. and, and my children will have a very different life to their children, and, and it is progressing at such an incredible rate, it scares me, and so I, I don't know what it's like growing up with this whole social, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 18 or 19, and we didn't have a computer, we had none of that, and so I don't understand what it is to, to be, and I don't know how to navigate that as a parent, because the kids don't come with it instruction booklet so I think all you can do is take guidance of how they're feeling what they're experiencing what their needs and wants are and then you can compare that with what you know is right and wrong and what you feel as a parent or what you know as a parent or what you've read about as being a parent um, to be right and then somewhere yeah. in between you can navigate your um, the way you run your business a family is essentially mm-hmm. um, no different to a business it's got to work well it's got to integrate well everyone's got to you know do the right thing you do your budgets you do everything yeah. like that so um yeah i think it's important just to stay on track and also people like everyone likes to feel validated and kids are no different i think that's one thing that we forget about that um even if a kid knows they're wrong they still want to be validated in some way why am i feeling this way am i wrong to feel this way you know yeah they still want to be validated yeah that's amazing Incredible. <laughs> it's just got... You sound speechless, guys. I'm <laughs> yeah. You're, you're such a role model, though, yeah. for your boys. But also, you know, we've both got younger kids, Jimmy and I, and mm. just hearing those little bits and pieces, they really resonate and really sink in that one day mm. we will have to ask our kids, mm-hmm. are we doing a good job? <laughs> we'll go yeah. back to this podcast and we'll listen to all your advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that's something that you just mentioned there was something that hit me like a, a, a brick in the face, I think, when I was younger, when the kids were little, that they're... There is, if there's any advice that I can give to a parent out there with young kids, the biggest advice for me, there will come a day and it's a very clear and it's a very definite day and it will hit you like, like me, a brick in the face, is that you go from being a parent where you say, stop doing that, no, you can't have that, mm. to you then have to be a facilitator or a negotiator. It, there, there comes a very definitive moment in a kid's life where they're, they're no longer just told what to do. You can't dictate to them anymore to make them safe. You have to start letting them have their opinions in the household and they, and you literally go from it just doesn't work anymore to say, no, you can't do that. So they start to fight back and they start to say, um, what would you know? Or that that's when the argumentative, a lot of people talk about the teenage years and the mm. arguments that you have. And I think that's because, and I made that mistake when my eldest was younger, is that I kept going on the path of treating them like they were a kid and saying, no, you can't do that. No, that's not the right thing to do. But they were decisions that I made, not decisions that he he wanted to live a different life to what I did. So, you know, there it does come a definitive time where you have to stop being yeah. um, more like a, you know, I don't want to say dictator. Dictator, but, you know, I was going like, to say the same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, when they're younger, you, it is yeah, vital for the running yeah. of the household that you have yeah. to do that. And there comes a time where they say, actually, they are not my choices. Yeah. That is that is not how I want to live my life. I, yeah. 
I want more screen time or this is how I relax. You know, how I relax and how my sons relax are two totally completely different, different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there does become a very definitive moment as teenage years. And if you don't acknowledge that and you don't understand that sometimes a yell is a scream for a cuddle, not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, a scream for a fight. And I think knowing those differences and, and knowing when those times are really helps to... Our first son, we went through those argumentative times and I felt real despair of... How do you, how does this stop? How does this anger and this fighting stop? And then we didn't have it second time around because we realised that sometimes those fights are really not fights. They're just screaming for, you know, when they're little, you hug them, you kiss them, you cuddle them. And and then, and, and the warmth of a cuddle has power in any, mm-hmm. at any age, in any, um, you know, race colour, nation. Um, and, and there does come an age where your kids don't want to cuddle you anymore because it's not cool. But it is something they still need and it's finding that balance of giving them the affection they need and crave balanced with, you know, that's not cool to cuddle mum and dad anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note, you last time we spoke you talked about, um, is it Seat of the Soul, some uh, yes. book you'd been reading or audio book yes. and um, it had some incredible wisdom in there too. And um, Yeah, I think that's a good one for anyone listening. Yeah, it is a great book. It is more, Seat of the Soul is all about getting in touch with uh, your relationships with other people, uh, your relationship with yourself, how you deal with things from jealousy to, um, you know, extramarital affairs to uh, maybe jealousy in the workplace, competitiveness, and, and why those emotions come up and how you can then deal with that and learning how to navigate relationships and, and why certain relationships that don't work out sometime or sometimes are a reflection of your insecurities on the inside. So it was, it's a, I'm sort of three quarters of the way through the book and I'm just going to keep going back over and reading it. Oprah Winfrey touted it as, as the book that changed her life many years ago and they've just released another anniversary edition where Oprah actually does the forward to it. And, um, and it is so powerful. Sometimes it gets a little bit um, uh, into an unknown realm and so sometimes that gets a little bit hard to understand. But at the, at the soul of the book is more getting to understand. Uh, one of the things I found most powerful is I'm an overgiver. I'm a people pleaser. I've always been that way. And it it does explain that why is it that certain people, and they are people pleasers or or overgivers, why do they feel used and abused? Why do they feel that people take them for granted? Why do they feel this? Because if somebody keeps giving you things, you're going to keep going back there. Um, Mm. But is it fulfilling your time? Is it fulfilling what you're doing? So it's learning how to uh, be be kind and generous and giving without... um, oversharing your time and making sure that your time is given uh, soulfully and that you're replenished from what you're giving. Um, and so that was really helpful to me as well because I think a lot of mums, a lot of mums are overgivers and oversharers because they feel that they need to do everything for everyone so that they can, you know, keep everything running smoothly and so that the kids feel supported and the husband feels happy and we seem to be juggling all these balls to make sure everybody else is happy and sometimes that does leave us a little bit depleted. So there's some really good tools in there on how to replenish yourself and to understand why it is we do certain things, why it is we feel certain things and, yeah, it's a real eye-opener and an easy listen. He's an exceptional narrator. I'm actually um, listening to it on Audible. Um, which I actually find a little bit better. Sometimes I get a bit, my brain gets a little bit tired sitting there reading. But when I'm listening to it, I I tend to feel like I'm in a conversation with that person and I'm absorbing the information a little bit better and it it just makes sense when someone talks to you about it. They really do that Mm. well, Audible, those audio books. Yeah, I think it just depends on your narrator and he's very good. He's very good. Amazing. (laughs) Well, on the topic of quick fire, you know, what you're reading, what about, um, what do you, 
what's your favourite food? Oh, <laughs> I've got to say, and it's not very exciting. Hot chips. Oh, I can I can so let good. a I can let a whole table of desserts go, and I can walk past it and not touch it. They would go off before I would eat them. But if there's hot chips in the room, you will not hear me talk to anyone. <laughs> I'm there, whether it's gravy, aioli, chicken salt, tomato sauce, barbecue sauce. I don't care how they come. I'm just all over hot chips. I just I yeah, think that, that can't food. be the, the secret to your incredible skin and the fact that you look at least 15 years younger than your age. So what are the other secrets? Because I'm sure that is not the fountain of youth. Um, well, no, it's not. And it's certainly not good for the hips. But, oh, my goodness, when you're in that food coma from eating a whole thing of hot chips, it is just, it's on another level. Barbecue chicken and chips on a weekend is just amazing. Um, but when it comes to skincare, a lot of people ask me what I use. And I was fortunate enough when I was very, very young to have a woman. It was the mother of a friend of mine. And she had the most exquisite skin. She she definitely had the bone structure of the face of uh, Audrey Hepburn or, uh, you know, an old world mm. actress. She was just so beautiful. And she talked to me about good skincare and the importance of taking it down to her neck. And, you know, and, and from that day on, I kind of thought, okay, well, I better go out and start, you know, using good skincare. She had said she'd used um, oil of Ulan in the day. Now it's Olay. Uh, but she had used that all the way through her life and she never not moisturised. So I sort of started on a skincare routine. And then working in the television industry, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the best skin care specialists in the world. Mm. And um, and so I'm constantly challenging skincare. I constantly try everything. Right as we speak, I have gold eye patches on and I have the lift, which is an nice. amazing mask we do sell on the morning show. But amazing. it lifts, tightens, tones, burns and smooths the skin so much. So I leave that on for about half an hour. And I feel young. But I think looking after your skin on the outside is really important. A lot of people go straight to Botox or, you know, straight to fillers. And I think you need to look after the integrity of the skin because that's the structure. So you want to make sure the structure of your house is good. And, you know, look, I do eat well. I do try to eat at home wherever I can. I do the kids, obviously, because of they, they all do sport. They all do, um, you know, they all lead busy lives. So vegetables, fruit, always uh, a winner in my house. And I mm. do take liquid collagen. I always make sure that every day I have a couple of tablespoons of liquid collagen and, um, you know, yeah. I just try to do my best. But I, I've tried everything from red light therapy at home. I always do at-home treatments. I've never been one to go to um, a salon. I've only ever had two facials my whole life. Um, so yeah. I'm not, at the moment, I'm not into uh, Botox or fillers, not to say that, you know, I won't. I just turned 48 last week. So um, oh, I need to, uh, thank you. So I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I would never have that, but at the moment I'm sort of just looking after my skin and I'll try right. anything, whether it's I've tried skin needling, red light therapy, facials. You know, I think if nothing else, it makes you feel good about yourself that you're putting in time. You know, I always make sure that if it's, whether it's talking on a podcast with a mask on my face just because that's the only time I have <laughs> or, you know, while I'm cooking dinner, I might put a mask on. Masks are amazing because there's something that you can just put on while you're cooking dinner or you can put on while you're, um, you know, blow drying your hair or, or you know, there's all, there's never an excuse not to have a, a, a mask on and I think they're just great, whether it's a firming one. And what about hydration? Yes, you, always hydration. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in vitamin A, so sunscreen and vitamin yep. A. Are the two right. things I'm big on. And from the inside, are you a water drinker? I know you don't drink coffee. What else do you drink? 
I hate water. I absolutely hate water. I've never been a water drinker, but I do drink a lot of it. So I do make sure that I get at least a couple of litres a day, obviously, because I exercise, I'm depleting it. So I do force myself to drink water, but I don't naturally love water. So um, it is a real effort for me to drink water. Um, I do drink tea, so I have tea in the morning and tea at night time. And that might be English breakfast, or I drink this amazing detox tea, which um, is just good for cleansing. So if I'm feeling a bit bloated or I'm going on air, I'll have a detox tea instead. So then, Mm. you know my tummy doesn't feel as bloated so um and that's about it I'm not a huge drinker I've never been a huge drinker I competed in sport at a very young age so I never really went out a lot when I was younger until I was sort of in my mid to late 20s and then I had kids so I've just I'm not a huge drinker you know if I have two or three wines I'm definitely um you know in my happy place so I would never is that your favorite alcoholic beverage if you had to pick would you pick a wine Uh, vodka vodka okay Definitely vodka. I'm, I'm vodka lemonade or um, or a red wine. I don't mind. I like red wine. I can't drink white wine, champagne or rosé, but um, I might have a couple of red wines if I was to go out to dinner or a couple of vodkas if I was going out with friends. But, um, yeah, very nice. drinker, which I'm lucky because it doesn't – I've never been a smoker, uh, so I don't sort of do anything really that's going to dry out my skin too much. Yeah, um, right. And what about yeah. just to, just before we let you go? What do you do to relax? What what is that thing that you binge on TV or <laughs> what do you do overnight to, um, to relax? Um, I am an amazing sleeper, like mm. an amazing sleeper. But if I really want to relax and get away from it, I do like to put my noise cancelling headsets on so I cannot mm. hear anybody saying, "Mum, can you help me do this?" or "Mum, can you do that?" If I really need to relax, uh, I find lighting a candle. Like I've got two candles in front of me now lit. I find candles mm. are an amazing energy. And if you do the research on, on a na- naked flame, and that's a naked flame in a fireplace or a candle or wherever, naked flames actually um, give off energy and absorb energy. So if you've got a negative energy and you burn a candle, it instantly helps you alleviate that. So if I can sit oh, for about 15, yeah. yes, 15 or 20 minutes with a lit candle, my earphones on and my favourite song just to, and that might be an upbeat song to put me into a really happy place if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Or it might be just a really soothing sort of song. And then I do love my sleep. So if I feel like I'm a bit overwhelmed and I need to sleep, sometimes and it might be 6 o'clock in the afternoon. I've cooked dinner and I'll just say, guys, sort yourself out. I'm going to bed. And I check out and I just hop into my bed. At the moment, flannelette sheets are my haven and I just get into my bed (laughs) and I'm warm and I'm cosy and I just doze off to sleep. And I feel great in the morning. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. I'm lighting a candle right now and dripping off to sleep too. I'm going to try that. (laughs) I'm telling you. Guaranteed. I'm telling you, by burning a candle, burning a candle in the office when you're working, or um, just when you're cooking dinner, if you light a candle, it gives you. Do a test. It, it will totally change the vibe of what you're doing. That I is so you. good. Got to try it yeah. right now, Karen Legree. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank it's great you, to get an Jimmy. insight into your life and into your family. <laughs> Thanks for all the parenting tips for when Kate and I get there in, in <laughs> yes, 10, 12 years. Thank you. Uh, I know you'll be fun. calling me saying, "Can you be a babysitter?" <laughs> Please help. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks so Kate. Much. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks. Amazing. Thank you for having me on. I feel very honoured to uh, be on your podcast. Thanks, Karen. All right, we'll chat to you soon. Take care. Cool. Bye. Thanks, Karen. Bye. 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 Eat Yourself Better podcast is brought to you by Be Fit Food, where food is the first medicine.